and welcome to At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. I'm Lauren Keenan. I'm an interior stylist and podcast host, and this show is about helping you create a home that you truly love. And today we're talking to someone who really knows what it means to design and style a home for living and for sale. I think a lot of people want to understand the why behind design and you know what problems have we identified and why are we going to fix them this way and why do we think this is going to give the best result you know showing the mood boards which i'm a massive advocate for i just think mood boards for everyone makes a design process and a renovation so much easier and and i'm still surprised how few people do them yes we are joined by wendy moore one of two new people to join the cast of selling houses australia this year on foxtel along with landscaper dennis scott they're replacing the outgoing shana blaze and charlie albo who fronted the show with andrew winter for 13 seasons now but in 2022 it is a fresh take on a show that has consistently been one of the country's most popular property shows for years and i really feel like wendy and dennis have been a bit of a breath of fresh air on the show this year what do you think yeah i love Shana and Charlie, but Wendy and Dennis are absolutely smashing it and I'm really enjoying the series. Yeah, they're really fun and they know what they're talking about and this new season we get to take a closer look at their design choices too, which is quite exciting. Absolutely. Wendy's got a really long history in the industry, including 10 years at the helm of Home Beautiful magazine, seven seasons as a judge on Channel 7's House Rules, and she's recently joined the Australian Women's Weekly as Homes Editor at Large. Wow, where does she find the time for all that? She's a busy lady. She's also the head of lifestyle for the Foxtel Group. (laughs) starting to feel very inadequate here with how I use my time. So she has a very, very full dance card and we really appreciate the time that she's taken to talk to all of us about uh, design and Selling Houses Australia. Yes, so let's get into it with Wendy Moore from Foxtel and Selling Houses Australia here on At Home with Lauren Keenan, your favourite podcast and your authority on home lifestyle and interior design. Wendy Moore, thanks so much for joining us. And firstly, congratulations on an amazing start to your time on Selling Houses Australia. Thank you so much. That's really nice to hear. It was, um, it's always a bit nerve-wracking starting something new, so it's nice. We've been watching Selling Houses Australia for years and we loved Shana and Charlie, but we were just saying the other night when we were watching, we feel like you and Dennis are just really this breath of fresh air for the show. What's it been like stepping into a popular show that's really well known and when there's been this winning formula for a long time? Oh, look, it's always nerve-wracking. Um, you know, I've I've known Shana. Obviously, we've always been kind of in the same circles for a long time, even though she's in Melbourne. And, and I've also loved the show. So I think there's a lot of pressure when you step into that. And I think when you love the show yourself and you're kind of part of the audience, you think, oh, my God, I know what makes this special and how do I keep it special but not try and just recreate what was already unique to somebody else? Um, Yeah, I think, and I just thought I just, I need the design to speak for me at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's really interesting. And we've picked up on that a little bit. You know, we thought there'd been a couple of nice subtle changes to the show. You know, we noticed that you talk a lot more about suppliers on the show, which is great because obviously, you know, we can't renovate without those businesses and those other experts. And then we've noticed as well that we feel like we're getting to see more insights and more sort of thinking from you, you know, your, your mood boards and how you get to the design before you actually start the renovations. You know, was it your idea to pull back the curtain a little bit and show us a bit more about that design process? Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of people want to understand 
the why behind design and, you know, what problems have we identified and why are we going to fix them this way and why do we think this is going to give the best result? And, you know, showing the mood boards, which I'm a massive advocate for, I just think mood boards for everyone makes a design process and a renovation so much easier and, and I'm still surprised at how few people do them. It's always hard talking about how much the reno costs uh, and that kind of helps people understand that we do get some products supplied as part of that and that's people open their lives to us and it's a big ask for people to come on the show and for them to, to get that as part of that journey I think is really important. Yeah, because it could be a natural expectation as a viewer sitting there watching it and thinking, I can get all this for that much. Wow. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I only need X. But like you say, the reality is, is that they're putting their, their home and their, you know, their lives kind of in front of all of us. And so it's, it's important, I suppose, that they get something back for that. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's, it's hard because obviously they get us for free and they get a lot of the labor for free. In reality, you can paint your own house. It's not. It's going to take you a lot longer than four days. But you know, some things might cost us more because we're doing it in four days rather than you know the luxury of six weeks if you're doing it yourself. It's hard to see what you have, and so we're trying to kind of put some dollar values against things that we think are relevant for the audience, and also just be honest about the fact that you know, some of this this product comes from our suppliers. Now, Wendy, you just mentioned that the Renos do take around four days to complete. Can you give us a little bit more of an insight behind the scenes? It looks like you have a lot of fun, but what does the production look like on an episode? You know, you said you're there for four days, yes. but what else goes into making it happen? It's chaos. Like it, it is chaos. And you, I always... I feel for the homeowners and having done it now, you know, we're into our second year of production, there's always a moment in the middle of that four-day period where you think, oh, my goodness, this is never going to happen. And the homeowners come in and think, oh, my goodness, this is never going to happen. And you can, I can reassure them now I know it looks like a nightmare, but it will come together. I promise you it will come together. But I am always you know, talking to painters and prioritising which rooms and which um, – you know, door frames need to get painted first because we're going to have furniture coming through that. I don't want to be worried about wet paint and, you know, all the things that you wouldn't be worried about so much if you're doing it yourself. It is a really tight-knit team and it has to be because you, you're literally stepping over each other constantly. You know, we, we try and get as much planning time as possible, but the reality is sometimes you just don't have that. So you have to be really quick and you really have to look at what's available, what can we realistically get onto site in this time frame and just make it work. And it sounds like you're really hands-on with each project and I think there might be a bit of a misconception out there that, oh, it's a TV show and, you know, the, the hosts don't actually do that much. They maybe just talk to camera, but I don't get that sense from yourself and from Dennis. Maybe Andrew Winter maybe. Oh, yeah, Andrew. <laughs> Absolutely, but I don't think Andrew pretends that he's working. No, that's right. No, he's, he's very open about yeah. it. No, I mean, God, wouldn't that be lovely if I just walked into a finished room and said, oh, well, I worked very hard. Well, here's a paintbrush. Yeah. Um, no, I think it has to be a team. I mean, obviously we've got incredible trades and all these people that do all the stuff that we can't do, but you have to get involved. I mean, we do still have to pay for the trades. So everything we do saves money and, um, you know, I'll hang wallpaper, I'll knock down walls. I'm, you know, I'm tiling splashbacks. I'm doing as much as I possibly can to save money. And sometimes, you know, we, we have this great um, build supervisor, Pete, um, who's been doing it for years and he warned me when I started he said I'm the no guy 
you always want me to do stuff and I'm always going to say no. So it's this constant <laughs> kind of negotiation. Like he says, well, you know, this job doesn't have a tiler on it and I can't afford to have a tiler and I, I can tile this. I can do the splashback. Please let me do the splashback. So, you know, there is, there's constant negotiation, which is, I think, That's- real life. <laughs> That, yeah. That's so cool. And, you know, we see on the block, uh, you know, it's always in Victoria, always in Melbourne. So they often have a lot of the same builders and trades that are associated with that show. But Selling Houses Australia is a national program. You guys go everywhere. everywhere. So you've got a building supervisor who no doubt, you know, manages that process for you. But how do you get that consistent, you know, quality effort finish. and quality when I assume using trades in every capital or not, or, capital, or not capital, you know, you've been areas. in regional areas too. Like, how do you how do you manage that? Oh, it's, I mean, Pete does an amazing job, and Mel, um, she's the associate tier designer who works with me. We're always kind of working with different trades and meaning different trades. And I think once you have more of an understanding what you're asking the trade to do, then and they know you understand what you're asking them to do. I think that that makes for a better environment. Pete is just the king of finding the local trades that work. And I think he knows their world and he knows what's going to make them understand what he's asking them to do. And we always end up with good people. Every now and then we get somebody who's, you know, a bit slow, but in reality they're slow because they care. And they, they yeah, care, right. and, good job. Yes. Yeah. And we're like, you know, hurry up. We've got to tile the bathroom in half a day. Quick, 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 quick. <laughs> Maybe we're being unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> is, is there a lesson in there though, Wendy, for people who are renovating their own homes about, you know, providing a really good brief to your to your builder, to your tradespeople? Oh, look, I think the more you educate yourself, the, the better the job will be. You need to understand what the process is so that you understand what you're asking them to do and if it's reasonable. You need to understand their answers as well. When you ask them to do something and they give you an answer, you need to be able to have a context for why it can't be done or why it has to be done in a particular way. And I think as a renovator, you kind of have to own that. And I learned that early on. I didn't always know that. And I I learned it and, and how important it is to have that relationship with your trades a lot of people kind of just have the relationship with the builder and in some cases that work, but I think you need to have that extra layer with your trades um, so you can get more involved. And it helps you manage the costs as well because a tradesman will come in and do exactly what you ask, even if it's not the best way or the fastest way or the most cost-efficient way to do it. And if you've got a relationship with them, they will offer up an alternative that might save you a lot of money or a lot of time. Yeah, it's such a big investment, isn't it? And you want to get that mm. right. Well, look, we watch, um, Scott and I are self-confessed um, renovation show nerds. We watch a lot of property shows on TV. We watch the Property Brothers in the US, Location, Location, Location with Phil and Kirsty, and their version of Love, Love It or List It, as well as the Aussie version. But I feel like in Australia we do renovation and property shows really well. We've got a lot of uh, Australian versions of those shows now and our shows feel quite different to those um, overseas incarnations of them. Why do you think that is and what makes our shows um, stand out that little bit more? Look, I mean, I'm obviously going to talk about this from Australian point of view. So there's some bias there. Australians have had a love affair with their homes for a really long time. In, in most of the country, we have this fabulous temperature that gives us a lot more options in what we can do than in a lot of other countries. So the the ideas that we have about how we live and the lifestyle we have in our own home is beautiful. And I think it gives us 
um, a lot more freedom with what we do. And, you know, we've always had more space, which has allowed us to kind of spread our, our home wings a bit wider. And I do think when you look at our the trends and our design trends, what we have been doing for decades with open plan living and the way we design our kitchens um, and the way we have that kind of indoor-outdoor kind of transition space is far ahead of the rest of the country and in a lot of ways Absolutely. And, and the world and in a lot of ways we're influencing the world in how, how we do it. And, you know, you only have to go – I've done, you know, a few trips to Stockholm and the way they design their indoor-outdoor living for, if they're lucky, three months of the year, um, it just shows how people really want to live and we have the ability to do that most times all year round. And I think that yeah. allows us to do it and allows us to develop at a much faster rate. You see the Americans are starting to catch on to that trend of that more, mm. they call it open concept, but yeah. the, the way they do it isn't the way we do it here, but you're starting to see it a little bit more where they invest more in their kitchens and invest more in that living, dining, indoor, outdoor space, which is nice. But, you know, we watch some of the, the, the British shows and we've lived in England yeah. and you sort of... Oh, okay. I know it's cold, it's but, there's the, you know, there must be a better way to make use of the spaces that they have. I know, and some. Sometimes they do something that they think is groundbreaking and you think, wow, that's pretty much our lowest expectation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I agree. And, you know, same, I've lived in England for a while and the way they live and the things that they celebrate, I think, hmm, okay, that's doesn't feel new to me. No, I think they set the expectations a little bit lower hmm. sometimes. I think the bar's a bit lower. Yeah. And you're head of lifestyle at Foxtel as well as being on Selling Houses Australia. You're probably going to have a bit of bias here in this answer, but you know, what are the shows that you watch? What what do you like to, to watch? Which shows do you think are doing it well or doing a little bit different? To be honest, I've always liked watching renovation shows that are actually about renovations. So where you actually see what's happening, you see why it's happening, you get it, you learn something, you know, you know what colours they're using and you know what products they're using and you know why. Um, look, I've always loved the Love It or List It. I love Kirsty and Fuel. I love what Kirsty does. Um, I love Sarah Beanie. It does sound like I'm biased to Foxtel, but the reality is, you know, because of the way we do TV and, and the amount of channels that we've got, we have got the kind of bandwidth to do more of those shows without having to make them all primetime headline drama, drama, drama kind of shows. And that allows us to get a bit more in the weeds with what is actually right. happening. And I'm really enjoying all the kind of fix it of fabulous and, you know, that, you know, what is it, lottery home, dream home, my dream, my lottery dream oh, home yeah. is just a bit fabulous and it, it does make me feel a bit sick sometimes, but it is still fabulous. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I anything that is genuinely about renovation, I'm in. We're watching George's new Amazing. show as well. Amazing Renovations. Amazing Renovations. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, too. I mean, he brings a bit more intelligence to it and a bit more sort of thought and sort of it's around architecture and renovation. But the, the one we saw the other day, which was like a coach house. <gasps> I saw that one. It was amazing. Yeah. It looks so good at the end. Yes. So beautiful. Yeah, and I love yeah. George Clark. I love he's got he's got a kind of a gentle feel about him and he can be he does have that intelligence. So his comments make mm. you think, Oh, is that actually gonna work? Or I understand what rules they're breaking and why that's a risk, which is great. From a from a viewer point of view, it opens your eyes to why things are done the way they're done. And he has that handle on history too, so you get to see like the historic 
building processes yeah. and some you know old ways of making bricks that can make a new home feel old and it was yeah he does it really really he well does. and that particular episode was outstanding yeah. he did a great like in his amazing spaces he did a great um kind of pod tree house years ago and i just oh my god i love that episode so yeah <laughs> yes it's probably somewhere on on, on foxtel streaming oh, yeah. service you could probably get back yeah, and find yeah it. i'll send it to you <laughs> So, look, Wendy, you have been at Foxtel for a few years Mm. now, but before that you're a judge on Seven's House Rules and you've had a really long career in magazines, including a long time as the editor-in-chief of Home Beautiful, one of my favourite magazines, and I know you've still got a really soft spot for that magazine. What did you love most about working there? I loved my team. I just had the best team. I still work with some of the um, people that I, I worked with first. We, you know, I had I started there. Some people I inherited. I had to hire a few people. The turnover there was so low that a lot of us worked together for 12 or 13 years and just became a real family. Um, and I just I loved the freedom that came with that. We'd just sit around and talk about what we wanted to do in the mag and we all genuinely just loved it. And we'd talk about an idea or I'd come home from travelling somewhere or somebody else would and I'd say, I really want to do this. And I remember when we were right in the midst of the, the grey period and everything was about cool whites and greys and I said, I want to start doing browns. I can see them coming back. And my whole team went, not a chance. We're not doing browns. And I said, we are. Look at us now. I know. And I remember it was a bit of a joke because I went out that weekend and bought a pair of chocolate brown pants. And I wore them to work the next <laughs> on the Monday and went, they're back. <laughs> but, you know, like it was. They're back, yeah. baby. But it was a real family. And when you've got that kind of trust, it allows you to take risks and um, we really built something beautiful. And I think, you know, we grew from being kind of distant number two to being number one. And there's always a great camaraderie that comes with that growth. And it always will be a, a highlight of my career, I think. What do you think is the future for publications like Home Beautiful and other magazines in that world where, you know, digital Instagram, Pinterest, all sort of seems to be or already, you know, is very well used. Do you think magazines still have a place? I personally buy many interiors magazines every month and and love the physical process of sitting down and flipping through them. Do you think that's something that's got longevity? Oh, absolutely. I think the mistake that's been made with magazines is that it's about making them more cost effective. And I think in reality, they need to be more luxurious. If I'm getting premium. Yeah. Premium is the way to go, and I think that lends itself to home magazines. I think better quality paper, thicker books, doesn't have to be every month. Um, you know, regularity isn't as important for me as quality, and um, I will always fork out for something high quality that's inspirational. Um, I don't need, you know, a low quality paper and overused images and overused ideas I can get on social media. I don't need that. I think that the magazine place, just like books had their resurgence, I do believe that magazines have got a place and will have a place into the future. And I think investing in the brands too, right? Like Australian Women's Weekly is a has been a you know a juggernaut and a huge brand in our country for a long time. Still is. Still is. And I think, you know, titles like Home Beautiful 
should be invested in as a brand, whether it's online or offline in, in print? Yeah, I, look, I think so. I mean, Women's Weekly are doing some amazing things for kind of women and strong women and um, really celebrating that and, and the positivity in the stories. And they don't, they don't, it's not about gossip, it's about life stories and sharing that. And I think that's really important. And I think that quality journalism and those really kind of deep dive into somebody's life is still it still holds place and we still want it and I think Women's Weekly are doing that really well and I think you know with with magazines like Home Beautiful and House and Garden I think again it is that quality and they do that investment in the brand and taking it outside and it was interesting I just had a conversation this week before I left Home Beautiful I'd kind of developed a whole range of um, homewares that we were just about to launch and I spoke to the guy that I spoke to and it's literally just launched um, this year and it was just it's I, I think understanding the power of those brands and treating them with respect is is gold. I mean, there's a huge amount of startups that would just kill for the kind of brand collateral mm. that the magazines have got, so the brand equity. So I, th- I think there's definitely a place. So, so were they interiors that were in your name or in Home Beautiful's Home name? Home Beautiful's name, yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. You're probably all over this, Lauren. I'm <laughs> a little behind on that. But um, that sounds really interesting and, I'm, you know, it's it's great to hear that you, know, you see a future for magazines and in that premium space because that's really exciting, I think. Mm. You said earlier that um, you finished filming the first season of Selling Houses Australia and you're already into season two yeah. for yeah. you, which is which is Sorry. awesome. <laughs> Firstly, how many how many episodes do you do a season now? What are you, what are you running at? We do 10 episodes, so 10 homes each season. Throughout the course of the year that you film, then there's 10 properties. Were there anywhere you walk in and go, guys, like, what is this? Like, why can't you clean up before you put your property on the market? Like, there's a reason why this Hasn't isn't sold. selling. Or do you just sometimes walk in there, even though you've had your pre-brief and whatever, and you go, what am I going to do? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, the thing with selling houses is that it's as much about the real estate as it is about the story of the homeowners as it is about the the renovation. And so you really are talking to people that are in a pretty desperate part situation in life and so their home is a reflection of their state their life state and there are moments where you kind of walk in and think this is actually not a difficult job because I can see easily what could be done and they just don't have the wherewithal to do it and that's because you know they're you know what it's like if you're renovating or if you're dying under debt and all of that kind of stuff. If you're in a rut. You cannot see the forest for the trees and that's why we're there. So, yes, there are some stages where I think this is actually something you could have done yourself, but they can't. That's why we're there. Yeah, right. Um, that's a nice way to think about it. You're there to help them, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. And and it's the same really with Love It or List It. You know, there's a dilemma that they're kind of stuck in the same kind in – in a similar rut because they've got mm. – you know, they can't decide which make. way to invest their time and money and so they just don't. And you see that in, in Love It or List It but, and in selling houses there's a lot of times where I can see that the house has started falling apart around them and they can't justify spending money on it because they don't know what's next or this house, mm. they know that this house isn't next and they just can't see. And, you know, I just – there was a house just recently that we did 
they really needed to get out of the house and they were in a really bad situation. And so they did get some advice and they did spend some money on the house and they just spent the wrong money and they got no yeah. return. And then they feel sorry for them. Yeah, you really do. And then yeah. you just think, I know yeah. why you've lost heart. You can't keep throwing money down the drain and not knowing that it's good. And, you know, we have a lot of discussions. There's one house that I'm working on at the moment where I really need to get on the phone to Andrew and say, okay, I've got, I can spend money in this area or I can spend money in this area. What do you think is going to get the sale? And he and I will work out between us where the best money is going to go. That kind of expertise isn't, it's just not available to people or the trusted expertise. expertise. Mm. Like I, Andrew has no personal interest other than the satisfaction of knowing that the house is going to sell. He's not going to make any more money if it sells or not. And so there's a real, you know, I completely trust what he says. And it's not always the case for everyone. And I mean, you've got such, um, you've been around the design industry for such a long time throughout your career. I'm guessing you must have picked up um, a lot of knowledge that you've been able to use for your own home and your own renovations as well. What are some of the big sort of design lessons that maybe you've seen on some projects that you've been able to put into practice in your own renos? Oh, look, I've made mistakes as well. You know, I've had some problems with we all yeah, do. <laughs> had problems with builders and I've learned a lot about how to find the right builder. And um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned, and this sounds trite, but your, your home is your home. And so if you take too much influence from ideas and trends around you, you're not really building a house for yourself. And I really believe that living in a home for a while and starting to think about what you like and what you don't like about that house is key to getting the right renovation. Um, That's what I always say to my clients. Yeah, yeah, you have to know thing. this is where the light comes in. This is where we end up sitting. This is the best place for me to read my book. This house is too crowded. That room's too crowded. That room's not used enough. Like all of that kind of stuff helps you work out what to do. And again, a mood board making a mood board and having all all your ideas all in one place. And yep. once you've got them all laid out, and I mean, magazines are king for this, but, you know, all your pictures that you love laid out, you start to go, oh, okay, well, that doesn't really go. I love it, but it doesn't really go. <laughs> yeah. And you know what it's like. We don't all love. And I think as well it actually helps you create a more cohesive house as well because I, I like to do it room by room. So then I sort of see that flow throughout the house. And they're not all exactly the same, but there's got to be some common elements to yep draw it all together and say, yeah, I use mood boards for every yeah. project. And and when you when you're shopping, you go, it's like candy land. You know, you go in and you go, Oh my God, I love that, I love that, I love that. Not all mm. of them go together. You're not no. always gonna fall in love with the same look or a cohesion. So I think once you start gravitating, you can see in a mood board when you rip out pages of mags that you love, okay, I keep going towards this colour scheme or I keep going towards that style, then that's the style that you're most likely going to love for longer and it, it helps you edit yourself. It also helps you bring together a variety of ideas, you know, and you you don't have that danger of walking into a particular retailer and going, oh, I love I've all of that and you buy everything <laughs> from that shop because it's not you, it's them. Yes, yeah, and I, a lot of people do that. A lot of the kind of interior design jobs I've done in the past have been people that have kind of done that and then just kind of sat in it and never felt completely at home. And then they need that extra layer of personal touch, I guess, on it. It's the heart and soul. It it's, the, it's the icing on the cake, yeah. yeah. A couple of quick questions to wrap up. Um, one, uh, in season one or your season one on selling houses, 
what was the what was the property that sort of stood out or that was the most fun or or where you had the biggest transformation? There's probably two that stands out. There was the one in Deniston, which was you know the two sisters um, who were trying to sell their father's home. I think yeah. you know my dad was an engineer and I had that kind of shared. Um, memory of, you know, my dad was a very good engineer, but not a great designer, which is very typical of engineers. So everything. <laughs> and he built that home, didn't he? He built that home. That so home. it's all about strength and, you know, engineering, Robustness. not necessarily about aesthetics and design. So I kind of connected from that way. But I just, I loved that home afterwards. I loved that. I really wanted to retain the the original the charm. charm of that home and kind of embrace that 60s style in a way that we, we want to live now. So I think that had a special place. And also Jindabyne, you know, the moment that I saw it, it was like the mood board just made itself in my head in two seconds flat and it pretty much looked exactly like I had in my mood board from the start. And, you know. We connected with that one too. Yeah, that guy had a lot of stuff to work with actually. Oh, my God. That shed shed was just, I spent hours in that shed just looking for things and um, and there's so much that didn't really go to air that he made for us or that we found or it's just. So if you haven't seen that one yet, that was the one where it was an old schoolhouse in the snowy mountains of New South Wales. And what was he like? A kind of an industrial designer who built and made. Yeah, he's an artist. He's a sculptor artist, yeah. And he actually, one of his sculptures was that um, sculpture by the sea. So he's had, you know, quite a lot of success. And um, he was a great character And and he was a lovely guy. He seemed like a top guy, but his house was just too quirky to sell in the state that it was It was in. just – it was. I often think that, you know, with selling houses, everybody's homes become kind of wallpaper in a way. They don't see it. They don't see it through other people's eyes, and it just had so much Steve. You couldn't see how beautiful the house was, and you could see it when people were doing the first walkthrough. Nobody talked about the charm of this beautiful original kind of schoolhouse building. Everybody mm-hmm. talked about the sculptures and – and I thought we need to just pare it back, not lose it entirely, but just pare it back so that the home becomes the hero and not the sculpture. So filming for the next season is already underway, as you've told yeah. us. What can we can you let us in on anything we could expect for 2023? What what might we what might we see on the show next year? Oh look, I think the stories are amazing. We've got um, you know, I've shot a couple you know, in the middle of nowhere, very regional stories, which has been amazing. A real um, difference in property values, again, which I really like, you know, seeing homes in, you know, Sydney that are worth over a million and then homes in, you know, outback Queensland that you're lucky if you're going to get 300000 for them. So I think it's it's kind of representative of Australia and and what our real estate market is really like. Obviously, we're starting to see that slowing of the real estate market happening. Um, so I think you know, really thinking about where we're going to where we're going to spend the dollars and trying to get that sale. The pressure is probably a little bit harder this time. You know, some really great stories. And um, there's one house that has a lot of belongings. That's all I'm going to say. A lot of belonging. Okay, we're we're picking up what you're putting down yes. there. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's your second se- season of working with Dennis and, and Andrew now. I mean, you must be that that must be going from strength to strength and coming through on the camera like it is in this first season we're watching now. You must be loving that. Yeah, I think um, although we hate saying it, there was a silver lining to COVID that we we were forced to spend a hell of a lot of time together because we were in lockdown, <laughs> and um, 
it's been good. I, you know, we are genuinely good friends and we we talk a lot offset. And um, Dennis has started running with me. So even though he's in Queensland, I've roped him into doing um, – I'm on the board of a charity called Running for Premature Babies. And um, so we are doing a half marathon. This is going to be Dennis's first wow. half marathon wow. this weekend. Gee, well – being an ex-footy player, cutting up the ball for 10 or 20 metres would have been about the extent of his running. I know, I know, which is he's pointed out to me many times. And I, I had a funny moment because he rang me on the weekend. He hadn't actually registered and I, and then he was doing it on the phone with me and, I, and he got in and I said, we, was it just a little part of you that was hoping that it was all closed and that you went, you well, forget about yeah, it. there was a little part, yeah. He's coming down. And then we're renovating. We're literally into a renovation the very next day. So I think there's going to be oh, wow. a lot of sore legs in that renovation. Nice storyline, though, for the yeah. show too. Yeah. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, Andrew might just have to come on set just to pick things up for us because we can't Do get down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope there's not a staircase. We're not going to be able to get up Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, Wendy, we have loved chatting with you today. Thank you so much for sharing all about Selling Houses Australia and about your career. We've had a great time talking. Thank you so much. And we can't wait to watch more episodes of Selling Houses Australia in the next few weeks. Please do. Keep me in a job. <laughs> Thanks again to Wendy Moore. She's such an interesting person with such great experience as well. And I think what you see is what you get. Yeah, how genuine and how lovely was she? So nice to chat with her. And I think you really heard that coming through today in the interview, you know, especially when she talked with such care and concern about wanting to help people on the show who were, you know, maybe in a rut or just don't have the toolkit that they need themselves to renovate their home and get it on the market for a successful sale. It's something, I suppose, when you do know what you're doing in that space, you can take it for granted. And it's so lovely to see these people getting the help that they need. Well, there's been lots of great examples of, of just that in this new series, Scott. And I think as property prices start to plateau a bit and interest rates are on the rise, we're going to see more people needing that specialised kind of help that Wendy and Andrew and Dennis have to offer or myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And look, there are a few more episodes of Selling Houses to come this year. Uh, and of course, you can catch up with it anytime on Foxtel On Demand. And then we can look forward to another round of renovations and successful sales on Foxtel next year in 2023 when the show comes back with those three fronting it again. Now, just before we go, Wendy did mention a really special charity. Wendy is on the board of Running for Premature Babies and along with Dennis Scott from the show, she is this year running a half marathon to raise funds for the charity. Her twins were born prematurely and so we congratulate Wendy and Dennis for their work to raise funds and bring some awareness to this really worthy cause. Yeah, absolutely. We've made a donation to support Wendy and Dennis and if you would like to do the same, you can click on the link in the show notes on your podcast app or go to the stories page of our website laurenkeenan.com.au and while you're there you can sign up for lauren's newsletter check out the tons of interior design information we have there including how-to guides on everything from choosing carpet and flooring through to how to find the best type of white paint for your home and that is consistently one of the most popular blogs on the site which is great and if you're thinking about a renovation or updating some rooms but you don't know where to start I know someone that can help you. Yeah, you can get in touch with me. You can hit me up on the socials at Lauren Keenan Home or you can send me a message through the contact page on my website, laurenkeenan.com.au. And that's it for the show today, Scott. Another awesome episode. Yes, thanks again to Wendy. So nice to chat with her. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of At Home with Lauren Keenan, your authority on home, lifestyle and interior design. Mm -hmm.